Two years ago, bishops Linda Adams, Keith Cowart, and Matt Whitehead were elected to serve the Free Methodist Church. In today's episode, you'll hear our bishops share from their hearts about the celebrations, struggles, unexpected challenges, and yet their enduring hope, optimism, and vision for the Free Methodist Church. You'll want to not miss this opportunity to hear from our bishops and share this podcast with others in your church. I'm your host, Brett Heinzman, and this is the Light and Life Podcast. Well, it was about two years ago this month that our new Board of Bishops was elected, and after 12 years and more of our previous Board of Bishops, Bishop Matt Whitehead and Bishop Linda Adams and Bishop Keith Cowart were elected. And so, Bishops, thanks for joining us on the Light and Life podcast today uh, at this, your two-year anniversary. So, welcome. Bishop Linda, uh, I know that you, as a Board of Bishops, kind of wanted to update us, like, what has the first two years been like? In a little bit of a chuckle, we can almost, you know, know what some of this is, right? Because we've all lived some very interesting times together. But uh, why don't you get us started? Like, what has the first two years uh, been like for the Board of Bishops? You're going to hear a lot from all three of us to answer that question. I'll just kick it off by saying, first of all, that we all three just have an amazing, humbling sense that God has chosen us to lead the church for such a time as this. And... Um, This has been obviously a challenging couple of years uh, just because of the events that that have gone on in our country and the world. But at the same time, I guess um, I'll speak for myself, first of all, and just say it's been a time of spiritual growth and learning, learning to lean on Jesus, learning to uh, collaborate with one another in deep ways. I've pressed in a lot this year to Psalm 1 about being like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. That, that description is the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, the person meditates day and night. And there have been times when I've thought, you know, how can I be productive, especially during the months of the pandemic where all of our travel was cut off and we were just kind of sitting at home and it, it didn't feel like we could actually accomplish a lot. But the Lord through the image of the tree planted by the river and then abiding in the vine. It's been a time to feel like the, the calling is to go deeper with Jesus and to experience spiritual fruit that I can't produce on my own. But um, it's been a, a learning experience. So I've known the Lord for a long time, but this year, this last couple of years, I feel like I've um, been called to a deeper place of pressing in and listening and abiding. Amen. I think it's just amazing. We all are continuing to learn. I think we all go through seasons in our life, though, where we think we've learned what we're going to learn. And then all of a sudden, there's a new season Mm -hmm. that teaches us, right? So that's really good. So the pandemic, that's obviously something none of you saw coming. Uh, Bishop Keith, what, what kind of things have have you all experienced or learned or had to, you know, twist through the hoops? It felt, I think, I'm sure it felt like playing a game of Twister now and then. <laughs> you know, what has kind of the pandemic brought forth for you as the Board of Bishops, and what have you seen it bring forth for us, the church? Yeah, you know, there, it was, it was def- definitely a whiplash effect. <laughs> we were all three running 90 miles an hour in three different directions uh, the first five months. And then all of a sudden, everything stopped. And yeah, we, we just suddenly found ourselves in this 
completely unique season and it was you know it was challenging for all of us in many ways we'll talk some as we go about some of the gifts of this season it was not all certainly was not all bad it gave us some tremendous gifts but without question it was hugely challenging and it just seemed that one thing piled on to the other you know you, you had the covid uh, and not just the the pandemic itself but all of the you know the noise around the restrictions and how are we going to respond to the pandemic? And then the race issues and then the politics um, that dominated the whole year as well. And when you put all those together, it was a perfect storm of a, an incredibly challenging time. And I think all three of us would want to say very clearly, there were challenges for us, but gosh, our pastors and our superintendents faced challenges uh, that were so difficult. And we were incredibly grateful for the leadership that emerged from our churches um, and our and our superintendents in particular, when you go through times like that, your true character emerges, and um, we just saw some tremendous leadership coming from uh, so many of our pastors and and so many of our superintendents as well. Uh, the division uh, that was so characteristic of our nation on all of those issues. You had pastors dealing with congregations where 50% of the congregation was uh, upset if they went this way and the other 50% was upset if they went that way. And there was absolutely no way to please, you know, whole churches or whole conferences. But boy, our leaders just really stepped into that, uh, that challenge and, and helped us get through it um, by just bringing great godly leadership. That challenge isn't over, is it? I mean, you've all been in annual conference season, so you've been in touch with our superintendents and had face-to-face time with our pastors. I mean, those challenges still aren't over. Uh, Many churches are still recovering. Uh, You know, I think the national average is 45, 50% of attendance in, in most churches. You know, some of our churches are doing significantly better than that, but all those issues are without question still lingering. And so we... Uh, we're very much depending on leaders to continue to stay focused on who we are and what we're about um, as the body of Christ. Amen. Well, you're talking about the, you know, that it wasn't all bad news. You know, Bishop Matt, what were some of the uh, opportunities that you were able to leverage because of the pandemic? Yeah, that's a great question, Brett. And, you know, I know we're, uh, we're reflecting back on two years. It seems like it's been about 10 years, uh, just in terms of the, the nature of the things that have happened and that we've been dealing with. And, you know, we, we tend to focus in on the challenges, and there have been so many of those. I just resonate with what Bishop Keith was saying in terms of the pressure on our pastors and our superintendents. Uh, they, they have had to navigate a reality that none of us could have anticipated in any way. But we also recognize that, that this uh, COVID grounding, I guess is what we would say for the three of us, has really provided a unique opportunity, I think probably unlike anything experienced by previous boards of bishops, that allowed the three of us to really center in on looking at the big picture uh, and, and what does it mean to be uh, a free Methodist? And the free Methodist way came out of that. We've been doing a lot of good thinking, planning, strategizing, praying about how we go forward together. And how does this movement that is 
over 160 years old, maintain the vitality of our founders, and yet is focused on the future and the expansion of God's kingdom in this, this arena that God has given us to oversee. So there have been incredible benefits, and we've been able to meet almost weekly uh, for these conversations. We've worked with a, with a national consultant who's been providing insight and, and strategy for us, along with the, uh, the opportunity to dialogue with our superintendents at a, at a deeper, more profound level. So we really have been able to take this, this time that we wouldn't have had any, in any other scenario. And it's been beneficial and it's been helpful. And we've seen the hand of God in the conversation in the direction that we're headed. And so for this part of the COVID shutdown and the grounding, we're very thankful for God's grace and wisdom mm -hmm. and the unity that the three of us have experienced working together. It's been an incredible privilege. You brought up the Free Methodist Way. You know, as we at Light and Life have been, uh, you know, taking your articles and putting them forth for the church and the videos and then even the culmination of the book that's just recently been published, uh, there's been a lot of excitement around that. And so, Bishop Linda, the Free Methodist Way, this is, a, this is just such a unique thing in the life of the church. Really, it could be uh, probably one of the most significant things, I think, to happen in the church in a while is generating a lot of excitement. Help us kind of see the the path like these things don't just emerge, right? Like we know that this right. took some time and some processing. Share with us about like how, how did this emerge? Well, um, well over a year ago, um, the man that we've been working with as a consultant who's really just there to ask us good questions um, asked us a really good question, which is, who are you? Um, your pe people, do they really know what it means to be a free Methodist? And if it's your job to cast vision and to clarify um, the movement, to clarify our identity, to speak into shaping our culture, um, let's just ask that good question, who are you? And so um, we three bishops had to take um, some time to do homework to say, could we identify five values that are the hallmark of the Free Methodist Church? Looking back to our founding and what might be called our founding charism, why did God call us into existence? And what was the genius of our, and the, and the passion of our founders? And then, I mean, when we talk about life-giving holiness, love-driven justice, um, Christ-compelled multiplication, cross-cultural collaboration, and that's a big one for me, and God-given revelation. Those really, it didn't take a long time to coalesce around those as values that really matter to us and that could be clarified and, um, and distinctive. And so that's, that's where it came from. And then we had um, quite a bit of time along the way with a group called the Future Team that we've pulled together to look at it and to refine it our superintendents, our area directors, people at the World Ministries Center, and with one another, it just kept getting cleaner and clearer the more people um, had a chance to look at it. But it's been exciting for us. Uh, I've had seven of my annual conferences so far, and the reception of the Free Methodist Way has been just amazing. It it has brought together people who consider themselves maybe old-fashioned traditionalists and people who feel more leaning into what they think of as progressive um, issues and themes. But the truth is that the Lord helped us to clarify 
a middle way or a higher path that doesn't um, land on one side or another of all kinds of issues, but really, I mean, really finds that place that it seems that Jesus has led the Free Methodist Church uh, to embrace. And it's just been truly wonderful. I got an email a couple of days ago from one of the churches in Genesis Conference, and the pastor had to miss annual conference, and so he wasn't there for the rollout with the videos and the preaching and the discussion and all that. But as he's had a chance to uh, expose it, his church to this, he just said, it, it's amazing to me how much unity is coalescing around these five values and the fact that they all work together. And we're not trying to pretend in any way that the Free Methodist Church is the one and only true arbiter of theology or these positions, but it's a gracious confidence that recognizes that we are a kingdom people and we are part of God's whole big family around the world, but there is something special about our faith tribe or our denomination that is something to be proud of in a good way and to clarify and to live into. Like some of these things are aspirational. They're setting the bar higher for us so that we can do better at living into the things that we, we believe God has called us to live into. One of the things that I think is really great about the Free Methodist Way is that idea that they are bringing us together around issues that sometimes we haven't been able to find the language to move forward together in. It's a beautiful thing. And Bishop Keith, you were you told me a long time ago in the process, even in your previous church, that you know, one of the things that was helpful as you came down to values was then defining them. You know, what does it mean by this? And then what does it look like if if the evidence is produced? You know, so as defined by and as evidenced by, and I think the Free Methodist Way is helping us in that. And speaking of aspirational, one of those that I think we are really aspiring to live into our spiritual inheritance is love-driven justice. And I know that that has been... Uh, that's been a point that has been difficult for some to embrace. And yet I think we're making great strides in that direction. And so I know that there's a lot of intentional work that the bishops and the BOA and others have done this year in terms of the, the biblical justice component of this. Um, what kind of things have the board of bishops been working on and that the, that the greater church uh, can hear about and can know are, are being developed? Well, Brett, as you mentioned, you know, the Free Methodist Way uh, helps to clarify that as, as Christians and as uh, biblical Christians, justice is an issue that we can't ignore. Um, scripture just continually speaks about justice Amen. over and over and over again in the Old Testament and in the New. You I mean, even Jesus himself personally, you know, Jesus, in a sense, kind of gave two different mission statements. One was to seek and save the lost, and the other was to pray, proclaim the good news to the oppressed and the broken uh, and the prisoner. And so in the, those two statements, you kind of see that, that tension between the desire to see individuals transformed and the need to speak, speak to the brokenness in our world. And we very much wanted to lean into the both and of that. We recognize that the term itself, justice, has become almost a trigger word that for some people, the word justice itself means something that's social and devoid of Scripture. And we're just not willing to give that up. We, we can't give up the biblical idea of justice. And, you know, one of the places where it's been particularly painful has been around the issue of race. 
And uh, that's when we've really tried to lean into as well. You know, the, this past year really exposed that um, there's some real pain in our movement around the issue of race. There's some real controversy in our movement around that. You know, we can stick our head in the sand or we can wade into it and say, okay, Lord, help us to understand more fully, more completely what it means to be one in Christ and yet different as well. And so, again, we've gotten some help from a friend, uh, Tally Hairston, who has been a consultant with us. And Tally's been outstanding because Tally is a person of color. He's lived and experienced much of what we've wrestled with this past year. And yet he's also a deeply devoted follower of Jesus who is completely committed to uh, Scripture as a foundation. And uh, Tally helped us as we wrestled with it. You know, we... Uh, there's this temptation to get totally focused on the symptoms. You can think of it like a fruit tree. And, you know, if, if a fruit tree has a bad season and all the fruit's not good, you can look at the, the bad apples if you want to choose that fruit, and, and you can get fixated on the apples. But the truth is there's a problem at the root system that's mm-hmm. causing all of that fruit to go bad. And you can focus on the symptoms or you can really go down into the root level and try to understand what's behind this. It takes longer, it's harder, it's slower to get into the roots, but that's the only thing that's going to help change long-term the, the fruit that comes out in the tree. And so we've been going deep with Tally. And one of the things we've appreciated most is our own sense and his full confirmation that this has to be a journey. He's talked about uh, calling people to a, 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 putting out an invitation to a journey rather than creating a one-size-fits-all program that we're just going to uh, assign to every church and say everybody has to do this. You know, recognizing that every church is at a different place. You know, uh, every church is in a different cultural context. So it's really going to be not so much a top-down program that we're trying to get every church to engage in, but it's an invitation to an honest, authentic journey where we're truly listening to one another, truly trying to understand one another, and learning from one another in the process. I'm so glad that you talked about like journey and that it's going to be slow and that we're going after the roots because you know, it just occurred to me all over again that there's a lot, there's a huge difference between talking about an issue and hearing from a person and their experiences. And I think that listening to one another is going to be part of it. And even crossing boundaries that are hard to get us to listen to one another is part of that journey as well. But what an encouraging thing that we are not just going after the symptoms. We're going, we're going into it, you know, to the, to the roots, to the root problem and see how we can work from that level up that will produce good fruit in the end in the church Bishop Matt, what kind of leadership initiatives uh, have you been working on as a board these two years? Kind of what's in the works? I know that leadership obviously is your charge, and then leadership development is on all your hearts, too. Yeah, that's very true, Brett. We've been, we've been doing a lot of thinking and planning and praying around how, how do we implement the things that we've been talking about? You know, as we talked about earlier, we're a, a a ministry family that is 160 years old. And we, looking back, we recognize that one of the challenges has been the implementation of various vision strategies down the, down the years. And that's no criticism of any leader. But again, because we've had this opportunity to, 
do a reset and spend significant time together thinking about our future. We've recognized that the three of us really need other key people to come alongside if the things that we've been talking about will really be lived out uh, in the future of who, who we will be by God's grace. And so one of the things the three of us are very excited about is really a new understanding of what we're calling an executive leadership team. Uh, uh, over the course of these months, as we've thought about our future, we believe that God has called us to make some really specific hires, two, two in particular, that will be a part of this executive leadership team, uh, working with, obviously working with the three of us. And so we've been thinking about what, what would the future look like if we were able to find key leaders and practitioners? The first of those is in the area of multiplication. Again, this relates to the, to the free Methodist way. We felt like we have to have somebody that has expertise and, and a, a proven track record in multiplication. And so we've just announced in the last few weeks that Drs. Larry and Deb Wachemeyer out of the Long Beach Church uh, in the REACH Conference are joining this, uh, this XLT with us in the area of multiplication. To have both Larry and Deb at, at the table with the three of us thinking not only about what does it mean to raise up leaders, but also what does, it raise, what does it mean to raise up ethnic leaders, to raise up female leaders. And so these hires or this philosophy really comes from the free Methodist way. And so we've also been talking about a strategic hire in terms of this justice initiative, this love-driven justice that's a, not only a theme of who we are, it's a biblical theme, and we're just in the final process of, of finalizing a job description for this position. And we hope within the next couple of weeks to, to get this out far and wide, mm -hmm. to be able to hire an individual or perhaps a couple again, depending on the way that this works, in the areas of justice. And we're defining justice both in terms of racial and ethnic issues like we've talked about, but also in terms of gender the role of women in our ministry family. From the beginning, uh, we have been a group that says we believe in the full empowerment and ordination of women. And I wish you could uh, could see the kind of the chart that we've been working on. I know that's not possible to do um, in, a, in a podcast, but so what we've been talking about, as I said, is the strategic hire of the Wachemeyers in multiplication, the upcoming hire of a person in justice, but as you kind of think through the other roles, we also see a strategic strat, a strategist, a catalytic strategist, rather, in global ministries. And we recognize that that person is Jerry Coates, who's serving yeah. as our director of world missions. But there's also uh, more support services from, our, from our, our COO, our chief operating officer, Mark Dowley, from you as director of communications, Brett, and then from uh, Steve Tungate, our new director of pastoral formation. And so we, we see the, the six of these individuals, particularly the justice multiplication and uh, global strategists working with us in the, the big question is how do we implement what it is that God is calling us to be? The three of us obviously have responsibility. There's a key role for our superintendents and again, it's one of the things that we've realized is the incredible power and gifting of our superintendents, these catalytic strategists with justice and multiplication and global ministries. 
are an opportunity to come alongside uh, each of our conferences and each of our superintendents to live out this commitment to the free Methodist way. So we're excited with this new reality. I think, frankly, the three of us are really encouraged to have other people at the leadership table with us as we think about what does it mean uh, to try to live out not only the vision God's given us, but the day-to-day, month-to-month implementation of the vision. That is exciting. I got to tell you, number one, I'm just honored to be at that table. It's just going to be amazing to be on the XLT, but also uh, just knowing that the Wachemeyers are, I mean, they've just completed 30 years of devoted ministry in California and now are stepping into this role. And I know as our church gets to know the Wachemeyers better, because some may not know them um, very well, they, you know, it's just going to be an exciting thing. One quick comment on the Wachemeyers, just logistically, I do want to make clear that uh, they have not yet left Light and Life. Uh, They will be joining us part-time in September and full-time in in January. I say that because Larry has announced this, but we don't want to make, we want to make sure people don't uh, misunderstand that he's already left and is already in this role full-time. He'll be coming on a little later. The only the other thing I would just add, I think Matt did a great job of um, describing what this is going to be, but specifically it, it really is about implementing uh, especially the values of the Free Methodist Way. In other words, we recognize that those statements just can't be words on a paper uh, or on a brochure. We have to live those values out. And we're trying to identify individuals who have demonstrated proven excellence in, those, in, in these particular areas and ask them to help us influence across the whole Free Methodist family uh, by bringing their, their skill set, their expertise to the table. And uh, we're really excited about working with that team. Yeah, I would just add that we're calling them strategic catalysts because they're not going to be like, you know, Superman and Superwoman with a big cape doing it all. But they're going to be working with people in all of our networks that are already um, from the grassroots level caring about these various things. And then across all the conferences, we hope that there will be developing um, advocacy groups and people that are, are going to um, advance all these values. So even like with Steve Tungate and um, the Center for Pastoral Formation, you know, there is a sense of national collaboration, but also in very close, um, working very closely with people in every conference who are working to um, identify and raise up new leaders and work through the credentialing process with head, heart, and hands and mentoring and all that. So he'll be at the national table But the whole idea of um, leadership development and especially pastoral formation will be kind of especially his uh, focus, but then everyone else on that leadership team will will have some ways of uh, doing their own part. Brett, as communications, you're also um, speaking into that and becoming a megaphone and a mouthpiece for those values. And so it's going to be great to see how the synergy of that group and the collaboration of all of those leaders. It'll actually be seven because Larry and Deb are two. Uh, Larry will be eventually full-time and Deb will be eventually half-time. But it's, it's going to be exciting to see um, the synergy that happens with that group. 
beyond that, what what kind of other things have come out of your time in uh, in working with Will Mancini, who is the consultant who kind of led you through the the questioning? Um, is there anything else that's coming up, Bishop Linda, that has to do uh, maybe with the Free Methodist Way or this continued reimagining, reshaping, uh, clarifying who we are as uh, our greater contribution to the greater church? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say that um, this is just kind of a sneak peek. Uh, We've just begun really the process of thinking through some rebranding, both in terms of our verbal identity and then our visual identity. Uh, So that would be a logo and then fonts, color schemes, and all that stuff. So, Brett, you've been working with us, and we've been working with um, some people who are really excellent artistic wordsmiths and um, imagineering how do we how do we express who we are in the 21st century in a way that's true to free Methodism's root but also the passion and the mission the vision going forward needs some new expression so that's all I'll say about that right now but sometime at least by January 2022 I think there will be a lot to see in that area it's been fun being in on those. Uh, we've had many requests over the last couple of years of people saying, hey, our church was wanting to do a new sign. You know, can you send us the, you know, graphics and stuff? And I'm like, well, before you invest in a sign, <laughs> we've been thinking about, you know, reimagining our branding. So I'm sure a lot of our FM family is going to get excited saying, oh, it'll be, that'll be something to look forward to. So thanks for sharing that with us. Um, Bishop Matt, one of the things you talked about was Jerry Coates being part of the XLT. And Bishop Keith, I know you work with Jerry in World Missions. The global church is is part of our extended family. I mean, we have general conferences all over the globe, and 94 out of every 100 free Methodists is not in the United States. So what? give us like an update on what's been happening in the global church. Well, I'll speak to it on two fronts. Number number one, um, first of all, uh, this is, again, really tied into the Free Methodist Way and that cross-cultural collaboration value. It's, it talks in there about the value of us as in the American church learning from our brothers and sisters around the globe. Um, you know, that uh, the, the church is strong around the globe. Uh, the Free Methodist Church has been growing substantially, and there's much we can learn. And I'll just say that in 2020 and 2021 now in particular, one of the places where our global church is especially strong is um, responding to suffering and difficulties, uh, responding to difficult environments to to live out the gospel. You know, so many of our, our world Christians, uh, our world free Methodists, are, are living in places where uh, to be a Christian means you're going to come under persecution. Uh, suffering is normal. It's a, just a part of their everyday life. Let's be honest, you know, for, for us in America, suffering is a bit of a foreign thing. I mean, we might suffer individually, but, you know, suffering on a grand scale is this something we've not been accustomed to? But in the past year, 
We have. And this is a place where our free Methodist world um, family can can come to us and say, let us show you how to get through these hard times. You know, it's been interesting that you look around the world and the world didn't, they're not dealing with the, the pandemic by arguing about masks and restrictions. They're they're doing whatever it takes to, to continue uh, to be healthy and to uh, continue reaching their world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It, it's just so much we can learn from our brothers and sisters around the world. The second thing is uh, the global church has continued to grow substantially. We, we just heard miraculous reports. Jerry Coates gave an outstanding report recently at one of our, our annual conferences where he is called But the Church, and he just repeated over and over again all of the challenges facing the global church, but the church, the Free Methodist Church, has stepped into that. We've actually seen substantial growth in many parts of our of the world, in the Middle East, uh, in Latin America. Uh, leadership development is exploding. Uh, uh, small house churches are multiplying. Uh, we have seen substantial wow. growth during this season, and it's it's just, it's inspiring and challenging for us just to remember what are we really all about. And it's got to be Jesus, and it's got to be the gospel, and it's got to be the mission to reach the lost. Just so many great things happening. And I know one of those ways that But the Church in America has helped has been the Bishop's Crisis Response Fund. Bishop Matt, where where do we stand with the Bishop's Crisis Response Fund, and uh, how can we enlist people to help? Yeah, it's it's one of the ways that we partner with brothers and sisters around the world, but we also recognize there are incredible needs. And so over this last year, over this COVID year, between monies given out uh, through International Child Care Ministries and the Bishop's Crisis Response Fund, we have given over a million dollars. Free Methodists have given over a million dollars in resources to buy food, to provide medical care, to come alongside these dear brothers and sisters uh, to help and encourage them. And again, while we celebrate that million dollars, we would also just have to be honest and say that the Bishop's Crisis Response Fund now is at the lowest point that it's been at for a long, long time. So we are calling on free Methodists in the spirit of generosity to to please contribute 100% of every dollar that you give to the BCRF goes directly to needs. There have been some needs that we've responded to here in the U.S., It isn't just international. It's primarily international, but there have been some domestic needs that we've responded to as well. But this is one way, uh, one of many ways that we partner around the world, and the needs are so great. And so we would, again, just ask our ministry family if they would respond generously to help us uh, use this Bishop's uh, Crisis Response Fund as a way to, to minister to needs Um, in in ways that will have significant impact. There's an appropriate accountability structure. It goes with a sense of connection to people who are accountable. And then we we always receive reports so that that accountability loop comes back, that we can uh, really guarantee that the funds that are given are meeting needs around the world. So number one, thank you, Free Methodist, for your generosity. The Lord has really used those resources that you've given. And then secondly, please, uh, as the Spirit prompts, would you help us to replenish that fund? Because there will, there, there will be needs. There are needs. 
And uh, we want that fund to continue to be a way that we serve and uh, love Jesus to our, our partners around the world. Amen. In the show notes from this podcast, there's a lot of links there, but one of them you'll see is the link to give.fmcusa.org. It's a place where you can go to give to a number of ministries, but especially to the Bishop's Crisis Response Fund right now. Um, Thanks for that update, Bishop Matt. So any final thoughts, reflections, other things you want to share with our church family as we as we wrap up our podcast today? Well, I've just been thinking about what characterizes these two years. Matt says it seems like 10. To me, it feels like a day and a half. It just flew. But um, it just depends on how you look at it, I guess, at any time. This has been a year where I, these two years, I would have thought that I would have made several trips to Latin America. And I was looking forward to that. I mean, I've been there before. I know some of those people. And I was really um, yearning for that. And And yet, here's what I want to say. We've had so much connection by Zoom that my heart is already attached to the leaders, you know, the area director, Ricardo Gomez, and his wife, Beth, and then the the national leaders and the missionaries in Latin America. I feel like we are deeply co-working, even though it's been an awful lot just by the Internet. So tomorrow morning, I'll be on a continent-wide prayer meeting. And I can join my heart with them. Um, one thing I've been doing during this year is just working on my Spanish to improve my ability to communicate with them when I finally do get there. My leadership role and my partnership in the gospel is able to transcend the fact that we're, we haven't seen each other that much face-to-face. I mean, haven't seen them at all face-to-face. And so now I'm having the joy and the delight of, of in-person annual conferences here in the U.S., haven't had any in-person ones in Latin America yet. Um, and we feel like we're pretty close. Something in us feels like we must be nearing the end of the pandemic because we're vaccinated and we start to feel free to meet again. And yet most of our brothers and sisters in other places, it'll be months or years until they get a vaccine. And so their restrictions are, are really severe. And so it, it mm-hmm. reminds me to pray for them and pray with them. And so anyway, that's just kind of... The ongoing rhythm of our lives is that we are connecting mostly virtually here in the U.S., completely virtually with our loved ones overseas, but the Holy Spirit transcends all of that, and our hearts are connected, and we are truly on the mission of Jesus together, and so I'm, I'm just humbled and grateful to be able to do that and look forward to continuing. It's, it's been said already, but I want to say again, I think one of the great blessings of these first two years have been the opportunity to work so closely with, uh, with Bishop Matt and Bishop Linda. The, the time we've had together has just been uh, so sweet and, and, and challenging at times, but so rich. You know, I think this first, these first two years, I haven't looked at this carefully enough to say this for a fact, but it feels like anyway that we spend as much time each week now as we did in a month prior to COVID. And the truth of the matter is the U.S. church has needed our attention. As as bishops, when we're in full go mode, it is difficult to focus on the needs of the U.S. church. It's just a reality. And God has given us a a year and a half season now almost where we can really have really been able to focus deeply on the u.s church and um we there's much we haven't talked about that we've been working on much that we're excited to to be bringing in the months to come 
And it's going to take a lot of focus and effort to implement the things that we've been working on for the last year. But I am incredibly grateful. We, we love the, the Free Methodist Church. We love the U.S. Free Methodist Church. And we're grateful for this season that God has given us to really focus on the needs here at home. Amen. Yeah, I would, I would give a hearty amen to that as well and just echo what Bishop Keith said about the, we really enjoy working together. We laugh a lot and occasionally we cry together too. You know, someone asked me recently, what is, what's the difference between, you know, being a pastor and a superintendent and now being a bishop? And I would say that the, the things that the three of us are carrying, things around the world, things in our conferences, issues that, that are complex and challenging and require the wisdom of the Holy Spirit is a part of what I would say about this role. I would also say the three of us feel incredibly humbled and privileged. I mean, I wake up every morning and say, Lord, thank you that I get to do this. What, what an amazing privilege you've given the three of us in this season to, uh, to provide leadership for this ministry family that, that, uh, that we love. Another thing that I've thought about, too, you know, someone used the term sanctified, not, sanctified nonchalance. That's not original with me, but I think there's a sanctified nonchalance about the three of us recognizing that we are in, uh, we're in this seat, these seats, and, and the Lord has given us this opportunity, and we feel incredibly grateful and privileged, and, and we will not waste this time. We feel the, the, you know, the thumb of the Holy Spirit in our back to use this time strategically to make all of the impact that we can. Last thing that I would say, Brett, is that, um, as Bishop Linda mentioned, we've, we've been doing annual conferences most of mine are, are in the rearview mirror now. I just completed my last one. But in every annual conference where I have been, people have come up and said, we are praying for you. We pray for you every day. You are in our prayers. And boy, it's so humbling. And I just simply say, thank you. Thank you so much. We desperately need it. And I just want to say to the church, thank you so much for your prayers and your support and encouragement. Um, we feel that. We know that God is at work. And we just, uh, we're so grateful for the ways that the Lord is at work in this church that we love. And uh, by God's grace, we're leading into a, a future of kingdom expansion. Men and women, boys and girls finding Jesus and being discipled, churches being planted, networks being birthed, the kingdom expanding. That's what we're about. And we sense that. And we just give all the praise and glory to God that we have the privilege of working together uh, to, to help to steward this ministry family that we love. I would encourage our church all to pray. And for that to be one a symptom of, of an even greater thing that the church could do. And that is to, to honor the three of you for your service to say, you know, this, this is not an, an easy task and it's not been an easy two years. You have approached it with great enthusiasm. I'm certain that the joy in that laughter and even the depth in those tears has been greater than any of us will understand and so hopefully I can give just a small voice to what maybe many of us want to say, and that is we honor you as well as pray for you. And thank you for, uh, for stepping into this space and doing so with such grace and such confidence. 
Thank you, Brett. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. So yes, pray for our bishops often. Please check the show notes for this podcast for links to give to the Bishop's Crisis Response Fund and resources for local churches and individuals for the Free Methodist Way, as well as resources that can be purchased at freemethodistbooks.com. For the Light and Life podcast, I'm Brett Heintzman.